strategy guys that are going and see what, what kind of stuff we're going to enter into. So go ahead and pull your sermon notes out while you're doing that. And let me just tag on to something uh, Pastor Kathy was saying. You know, uh, the principle of sowing and reaping, whatever you sow, you reap back. I had a, a friend uh, or a young lady was in our singles group at another church years ago, and, and she believed in that principle to the point where she would go to Tuesday night visitations, she'd be at Wednesday night church, and she'd be at Sunday church she didn't miss, even in finals, and, and all that because she believed God redeemed the time back. When she gave her time to God, she believed God took care of her time. She graduated, you know, with all kinds of honors and just recently retired from NASA, I think. But, uh, you know, so God honors when we, whatever we give him, he honors that back to us. If it's, if it's your finances, he's going to take care of your finances. If it's your time, he's going to take care of your time. And I can remember when I was in seminary, uh, I, was, uh, I would have guys that worked at, with me in Youth for Christ at the seminary, from seminary, and, and they would... Um, they would sometimes they'd disappear around finals week or when it came paper writing time. And I would go and do a, a school club at 7 a.m. in the morning and uh, leave that club meeting, you know, where we had 200 kids in a gym at 7 before school or 6.30 actually. And then I would go take finals at times in seminary and working on a graduate degree. And, and God always honored it. I never didn't do ministry because of anything I was doing in school. And so what you give to God, he's going to take care of and give back. And, uh, and so, um, you know, now that doesn't, that doesn't mean if you just go play. Now, in college, I played. So when I looked at my college scholarship transcripts to go to seminary, I'm thinking, Lord, they will never let me in this school, <laughs> you know. But uh, seminary worked great, but I stayed faithful to what God had called me to do. And if you do that, uh, he'll, he's going to take care of everything. That kind of works with our time. We're talking about uh, prioritizing our yeses tonight. We're in week three of making the best of your time. We talked about that. And the, the scripture Paul gives us is Ephesians 5, where he says, So now, so be careful how you live. In other words, live intentional. Don't just float along. Don't just, uh, well, whatever happens, happens. He said, be careful, be intentional with how you live. He said, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Now, I've told you before, when I read scripture, I'm saying, Lord, let me be one of the wise ones. Let me not be the fool because it's easy just to float and coast, isn't it? And, and, and then we get in a jam and we want God to rescue us. And so he said, live like those who are wise. And he says this, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Let me tell you, we live in some evil days. And, and Paul is encouraging us to make the most of our opportunities. Would you have ever believed some of the things that have happened in the last two years, both in our country and around the world? If you'd have told me the world's economy, if you'd have told me our economy would be shut down and people wouldn't be going to work and no, nothing would be happening, I would have thought, rebellion, that's not going to happen. But it did it through the whole world. And, 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 and if you'd have ever told, told me that, pastors would be getting arrested for having church in states and up in Canada, I'd have said, oh, you're crazy. That'll never happen here, but it has. And so we've got an opportunity. Paul says make the most of every opportunity. This may not be an opportunity one day in this nation. 
it, it, it's entirely possible we're headed in that direction. And, uh, and so he said, be careful. Don't live like fools. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. And let me tell you, that's talking about our life as we go through life. We're to be salt and light as we go through life. And, and, and so we're, salt provides traction, so we provide moral traction. And, and so we're to make the most of opportunity in these evil days. What, what do we make the most of the opportunity? It means we're sharing our faith. We're doing things. We're making a difference for the Lord. And he said, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And so, you know, Paul's telling us to do, you know, make the best use of our time so we can do the will of the Lord, so we can know it and do it. So how do you make the best use of your time? Well, we've been learning from the life of Jesus. We've been looking at his life. And how he, uh, you know, uh, and his example of how to do that, how to make the best use of your time. And even though life in the first century was way different than it is now, they didn't have iPhones and all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, um, Jesus did have to deal with a lot of the things we have to deal with. He had to deal with interruptions. He had to deal with distractions. And he had to deal with the same limitations we do. You know, he had time and place uh, that he was that he was uh, stuck in. When he decided to leave heaven and become a man, fully God, fully man, he laid aside his, his power. He laid aside his glory. He was in one place at one time. Pre-incarnate Jesus was everywhere at one time, all the time. Think about that. But as Jesus, the incarnate Christ, God become man, he was, he was here, he was here. He wasn't in Atlanta. He wasn't somewhere else. He was here. So he went through a lot of the same things we do. And, uh, and so, you know, he had people pulling him a hundred different directions. And, and so he had to figure out what was the most important things for him to do, just like you and I do. Uh, we've got to figure that out every day. So far, we've looked at number one priority is to begin with the Word of God, to put God first, your relationship with God first, and getting in the Word of God is vital for us to do that. We've got to be in the Word. How else are we going to know who God is, what He wants us to do, unless we're in His Word? See, a lot of people have these ideas about God that are not based in anything but my, my desires. Oh, we think God's Santa Claus. We think God's this. But you learn who God is by being in His Word. And so we've got to begin with the Word. And, and that, that's every day. We've got to be in the Word of God. We've got a, we, we talked also about keeping your commitments. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. So keep our commitments. Be people of our commitments. We also talked about silence in the kingdom of noise. We live in a noisy world. And there's, there's just noise everywhere. That, that, that uh, inner noise, there's outer noise. And we kind of talked about that thing where you get a song in your brain that won't go away. And, uh, you know, Pastor Kathy, every now and then I'll hum a tune. And she goes, no, no, don't. I won't be able to quit thinking about it, you know. And, uh, and so that's kind of, you know, what we're talking about. And so we, we talked a little bit about that silence in that kingdom of noise. And so this week we're going to look at, at uh, the fact that no one in Jerusalem had more things competing for their attention than Jesus did. And yet he always seemed to figure out what was the most important thing for him to do what was essential and what was noise so think about it you know how could he say no to the multitudes who came to him for healing and, and deliverance 
But he did. He did, and we're going to look at some examples. I mean, think about it. If he healed everybody, Peter wouldn't have had anybody to heal. Paul wouldn't have had anybody to heal. But Jesus uh, had multitudes, and he said, no. How did he determine who he was going to heal and who he didn't? You see, you know, why couldn't he do it in one fell swoop and just go, whoosh? I mean, he, if you think about it, he's the creator of the world. He could have just reestablished it all the way back before sin. He could have done that. He's God. He could have done anything. But he didn't do that. He had to do that. So how did Jesus decide what was most important? So let's look at Mark chapter 1. I'll read it and um, make some comments as we go. It says, after Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law. Now a lot of people think Peter wasn't married. Uh, He was married. He had a mother-in-law. I sure hope he had a wife. And, uh, you know, but Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. And they told Jesus about her right away. So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, helped her sit up. The fever left her, and she prepared a meal. So, I mean, here's Jesus. He's going, he's, his, him and his disciples are there. And, and say so Peter's mother-in-law is sick. He goes and heals her, and she starts cooking. That's what I'm talking about. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, he, see, that they, were, they probably would have fit in real well at River Church. You know, and, uh, and so the fever left her. She prepared a meal. Said that evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So, I mean, there's just people coming from everywhere. And, and Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases. And he cast out demons. And, uh, but because the demons knew who he was, Jesus wouldn't allow them to speak. But before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went to an isolated place to pray. So he's got all these people that are after him. And it's a long day and he's healing people and casting out demons and, and, uh, and all that. And so he goes and he finds a place to pray. We already talked about we've got to have solitude. We've got to have a place where we can get away. Now, Jesus, the creator of the world, while he was in human form, needed to commune and communicate with his father we need to do the same. It says, later, Simon and the others went out to find him. He, and when they found him, they said, everyone's looking for you. But Jesus replied. Now, he's got a crowd. He's got the whole city turning out. They're all there. And, and, and they're saying, look, Jesus, man, this is good. They're all, they love you. Come back. Keep healing them. Keep doing all this stuff. And here's what he said. He replied, we must go to the other town as well, and I will preach to them too. That's why I came. So see, he's, he's, he's done all this stuff, but he understood what his purpose was. And, and when they said, listen, we got this good gig going, he said, no, we got to go over here. We got to go over here and take care of this. And so that's why he said, we must go to the other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. And look what it said, this is why I came. He understood what his purpose was. He understood what his mission was. And, uh, and, and so he wasn't going to get sidetracked. And, and believe me, he was a human being, just like any of us would feel good at all these people coming. I'm sure he was pumped up too. And, uh, but yet he knew what he needed to go do. He said, that's why I came. And, uh, and so he knew what he could do. When Understanding his purpose, understanding his mission, allowed Jesus to prioritize the things that he was going to do and that he wasn't going to do. 
and we can do the same thing. Uh, in John 17, 4, it says, Jesus said this, I brought glory to you, he's talking to his Father here on earth, by completing the work you gave me to do. So Jesus' mission was to complete the assignment God gave him. And that's what, that's what he was saying. I, I've done that in, in John 17, 4. And so his purpose, complete the work of the Father. And, and once he understood, once you understand what your purpose is, you can prioritize everything else. You can I mean, when, once Jesus did that, he pursued what he was doing relentlessly. And he focused and, uh, relentlessly. I mean, uh, you know, there, there's, just think. He would go through a whole crowd and uh, the guy at the pool of Siloam where he, uh, where he was crippled and he couldn't get in the water, and Jesus walked past everybody else that was out by that pool to be healed and healed one guy and then left. And, and so he did that. And, and uh, so we got to understand it. We're inundated with options. And uh, listen, a lot of the things that are going to vie for your attention, that are going to vie for your prioritizing, are good things. They're just not the thing that God wants you to do. You've got to determine. Uh, the guy wrote uh, From Good to Best, something like that. Anyway, uh, the book on that said, you know, good is the enemy of the best. And, uh, and so sometimes a lot of good things will happen or, or pop up. Somebody said this, the people on this planet who end up doing nothing are those who never realize they cannot do everything. We've got to be able to narrow down what, what it is we're going to do. You know, I think of Billy Graham. He got invited to be heads of corporations. He got invited to be professors at colleges and universities. He got invited to, you know, he, he wrote a bunch of books, but Billy's ministry stayed focused on one thing, evangelism, leading people to faith in Christ. He could have preached on anything. He could have done all these other things, but he knew his purpose. And when you, when you do that, when you know what that purpose is, you can, you can uh, prioritize your time. Now, uh, if you've ever read The Purpose Driven Life, you know there's five purposes we've been created for. One, write this down, we've been created for a relationship with God. That's to worship him, a relationship with God. God created you and me. In, in, the, in the garden, he put Adam and Eve in the garden, and God would come down and hang out with Adam in, in the cool of the evening. And, and he created us to have that relationship. And, that, and we call that in the Bible worship. And so he created us for that. Number two, he created you to be part of a spiritual family. That's a church fellowship. He created you to be part of a spiritual family. People think, well, well you know, I, I, I like Jesus and all, but I don't like Christians. You know, I don't like church people. You can't, you can't do that. You can't have one without the other because Jesus says you can't. He created you to be part of a family. This is where you get strength. This is where you get encouragement. And if, and if, if you're watching and you're not in a church that does that, that encourages you, that lifts you up, come see us because we'll do that. But you want to be in that, that kind of a church family. He created you to grow more and more like Jesus in your character and values. He created us... He's not interested as much in my comfort as he is in my character. He wants me to grow more and more like Jesus every single day. That's called discipleship. And then the fourth purpose, he, he, he wants us, he created us to serve him by serving others. He created us to serve him by serving others. That's called ministry. And guess what? People think, well, this is our minister. No, you guys are the minister. 
you guys are the, he's created us all to be ministers and of the gospel. And so that's what we do. And the fifth thing is he's created you and I to spread God's love to other people. That's our mission. Go ye into all the world. He's created you and I to spread God's love to other people. And that's what we need to do. We don't spread philosophy. We don't spread rules. We spread the love of a living God that will set you free from anything. And that's what our, that's what our job is. So, so, so as you look at those five things, anything that somebody wants you to do that falls outside of those, don't do it. That doesn't mean you don't work, but you want to bring God honor in each of these things. For us as a church, I say it like this. We want people to know God. We want people to have a relationship with God. We want you to, to meet Jesus. We want you to grow in, in your relationship with him. We, number two, want you to find freedom. Freedom from strongholds in your life. Freedom from grief in your life. Freedom from addictions. Freedom from whatever it is. We want you to find freedom in your life. Might be freedom from, you might have grown up. You might be like me. You're a recovering Pharisee, you know. And, uh, and so... Uh, you find freedom. Number three, we want you to discover your purpose. We want you to know what it is God wants you to do. And number five, we want to make a difference. Number four, we want to make a difference. We want you to make a difference. We want each one of you to make a difference in your families, at work, and in our area. And so those four things. So here's the deal. with Knowing those four things about our church if it doesn't fit in one of those four things, we probably aren't going to do it. Because we want it to help people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. If it's not going to make a difference, why are we doing it? If it's not going to help us know God, why are we doing it? And so you see, you see what I'm saying? When you know why you're here, it helps you prioritize. Now, Jesus gives us an example which leads to the fourth principle I'm fixing to tell you. And that's this. Prioritize your yeses. Prioritize your yeses. <clears throat> to make your best use of your time, just like Jesus did, you and I have got to decide what matters the most and allow those choices to prioritize our commitments. Whatever it is that, that matters the most, that's got to prioritize our commitments. Because you can't do it all. You can't do it all. And so I would tell you to prioritize your commitments. If somebody else is asking you to do something and I'm asking you to do something here at church, prioritize church. <laughs> See, Jesus recognized that not every good work was equal, and it's not. Not everything on your to-do list carries the same, same weight. So how can we be more like Jesus and do the work that really matters and ignore everything else. As we saw last week, we've got to make room in our schedule for what? Reflection and evaluation, for solitude. You know, but solitude and reflection aren't enough. We've got to understand uh, the truth that you and I have the power to choose what matters most rather than allowing others to choose for us because if we don't choose, somebody will. Here's typically what happens when we get out of priority. Imagine a big glass right here. And, and you've got all these things to do. And so you start throwing rocks in this glass and stuff that's not real important or small rocks, and you're putting those things in. And all of a sudden, you've got some real important things, and they won't fit because you filled up your time with all this unimportant stuff. But if you take that same glass 
And you've got your important things, your, your priorities. Time alone with God, boom, goes in there. Uh, you put those, we call them big rocks, in there first. Guess what? A lot of that small stuff will fit around the big stuff if you got the big stuff right. God first. Time with God. Family. All these things. You put those, those big rocks in there. And, and you can practice, make that very practical during a week. You got to do those things. One, one author in, uh, in a management book said you pick your top three, your, your first three. First three things for tomorrow that you got to do tomorrow. Just three. You might do more, but what's your three? And, uh, and so you do those big rocks. So we all know most of us don't operate that way. We fill that thing full of sand first. We do all the little bitty things that, that don't need to do it. You got that one big task you know you got to do. You don't want to do it, so you do everything but that. And then it's the end of the day, and you still got this thing. It's going to take a two-hour block of time, and, and you hadn't done it. And so you, you, what do you do? You leave work frustrated. You're mad at yourself and, uh, and all that. So that's typically what we do. We've got to be proactive in our priorities and not reactive. You might be thinking, what does it have to do with following Jesus? But it, when you read the Gospels, it's obvious that Jesus was crystal clear on what was the most important thing for him to do and what wasn't as important for him to do. And, uh, and so he would walk away from a crowd to do some things that were his thing. So write this down. When you're clear on your purpose, you can prioritize your work. Just write that down. So why did Jesus have to prioritize? I mean, he was God after all. And, uh, and so uh, he did that. So here's, here's the next principle for that that Jesus submitted himself to is accept your limitation on time and space. See, Jesus as God, preexistent, God was omnipresent. He was everywhere at one time. He saw the beginning of history and the end of history. But when he was born as a child and he laid that aside, he was a man that was in a time and in a place. Now, he was still God, but he was a man. And he was limited. So we've got to accept our limitation of time and place. We're not omnipresent. We're, we're unipresent. We can only be in one place at one time. And, and, uh, and so Jesus had to deal with that just like we've got to. Why? So he could show us that we could do it. So he could show us that we can do it. See, Jesus had to deal with a lot of the same stuff we've got to deal with. And, and he had to deal with it the same way we have to deal with it. He didn't, he didn't use his omnipresence, his all-powerful, his... His God, he had to work on it with faith and walk in faith like we did, like we do. He prioritized his time. He dealt with frequent distractions. Remember these? We talked about them uh, last week. It said as in Mark 10, as Jesus was starting on his way to Jerusalem, he's on his way, going somewhere he's got to go, and a man came running up to him, knelt in front of him and said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He was always having stuff like that happen. And he would, he would stop. And he would take care of it, and then he would continue on. Mark 5, 27. It said, uh, the, talking about the woman uh, who had been bleeding for years. She heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd. If I just touch him, I'll be healed. And she was healed. And, and Jesus was on his way to heal somebody's daughter who was about to die. But he got distracted. The daughter died. And, and so do you think that the distraction was accidental? No, the daughter died, so he just went and raised the daughter from the dead. 
What did that do? That showed he had power over death, not just over sickness. I mean, you think the disciples were on a roller coaster ride. I mean, you go say, oh, Jesus, if you'd just been there, he would be alive. Oh, he, she's still alive. <laughs> Get up, girl. <laughs> you know, and she got up, you know. I don't know if he said it. That's the way if he was on the West Bank, he would have said it. Get up, girl. <laughs> Luke 5, one day Jesus was teaching. The Pharisees and teachers were sitting nearby. He said it seemed like they showed up from every village in Galilee and Judea as well as Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strong. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him. Because of the crowd. So they went up on the roof and they took some guy's roof apart. They didn't even have FEMA back then. And they took this guy's roof apart and lowered the guy down and Jesus healed him. You think that kind of interrupted his teaching? Sure it did. But what did he do? He used it to teach that he had the authority to forgive sin. And he healed the guy. But Jesus was always interrupted. Sometimes he welcomed it. And sometimes he made a great effort to avoid interruptions. Uh, you know, especially when he was with his disciples, he would do that. Look what, in Matthew 12, it said, As Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside to speak to him. Now, here's one where he's, he's just resisting temptation, I mean, distraction. And his mom and his brothers are there and his sisters. Now, here's the deal. They thought he was crazy. They, they weren't part of the disciples, well, his mother believed, but the, the rest of the family thought, I mean, think about it. If your older brother was claiming to be the Messiah, would you think just a little bit? I mean, you know, I'm sure James is going, listen, Jesus, just go, come on, get off this Savior complex thing. You know, so they were out there to speak to him. Jesus said, well, who is my mother and brothers? And he pointed to his disciples, the, those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Now, this wasn't, this wasn't talking about uh, well, these are really all my brothers and sisters. He's not talking about, he's talking about priority. He's talking about I am focused on what I'm to do here and the ones that follow me are the ones I'm spending my time with. You know, they're my family. They're my real family. So Jesus is doing, you know, what the Father sent him. He's preaching and teaching. His family shows up and he didn't let even his family distract him. And a lot of people say, well, you pack up, you go with your kids or go with your family. Jesus said, no, they'll have to wait. This is important. This is important. And uh, because he was called to do the work that, of his father, and he didn't have much time. And, uh, and so now when he was with his family and friends, he was focused on them. Mark 9, it says, leaving that region, they traveled together through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know he was there. Why didn't he want anybody to know he was there? Look, for he wanted to spend more time with his disciples and teach them. Jesus was trying to keep from being discovered by the crowds so he could pour into these disciples. He would go to great lengths to try and, and have that solitude with them and to teach them. And he said, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of the enemies and he will be killed. But three days later, he'll rise from the dead. Now, they, they, they didn't quite catch on for a while. But, you know, he's telling them this. And so, you know... And, and so when he's not preaching and he's not out teaching and he's not out casting out demons and clearing out a temple, he's pouring into his disciples. And so he would seek solitude to do that. So he, he knew what his purpose was, and he stayed focused on that purpose. It didn't allow the, dis the distractions to creep in. 
And uh, so here's where we are so far. Number one, we learn, we start with the word, we keep our commitments, we silence the kingdom of, of noise, we prioritize our yeses, and we accept our time and place limitations. We've got to be able to do that. It's simple, right? It's not easy, but it's simple. It's, it's hard to prioritize and focus on what's important when we've got so many things coming at us. I mean, even while I'm preaching, my watch is vibrating. I've got stuff floating across the top of my iPad, and all of y'all are looking at your phones at the same time. And, and so stuff is coming at us from all different directions all the time. So it's, it's difficult sometimes to make uh, those, those priorities. And so I want to leave you with this. When you mess up, I want to leave you with this. Jesus offers us peace before we do anything. You don't have to do a bunch of things for Jesus to give you peace. He just said, my peace I leave you. He gives you peace. And we can do a lot because of that peace. But you can't do anything to get that peace. That's a gift that Jesus gives. And so, uh, you know, we don't have to do what we've been talking about, all these things on time and making the best use of our time. Because, listen, if somebody loves you so much, they will give their life for you to live. You can't make them love you any more than that. It's just like if they talk about somebody hates you enough to die killing you, like these terrorists and stuff. You, how can you make them? Somebody says, well, we don't want to make them mad. They're already mad. They're already mad. But if somebody will lay down their life for you because they love you, you can't make them love you anymore. And that's where we are with Jesus. So he gives us that peace. But we can do these things to help us make better use of our time. And, uh, and so I just want you to bow your heads. I want to pray. And we'll close out with a song. And, uh, and so, so, Father... We just come to you right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we do want to make the best use of our time because we know we live in evil days. We know we live in days, we, don't, we know we don't have much time. And so God, I just pray that you help us to make the best use of our time. Lord, if there's anyone here tonight and they don't know you as their Savior, God, I just want to ask right now that you move on their hearts that you give them that desire, that you give them that desire to, to reach out to you, God. Draw them right now, God. Draw them right now, Lord. And so draw them to relationship with you. If you're hearing my voice or you're here tonight and you don't have a relationship with God or you're not sure, I want you to pray this in your heart. Dear God, I admit to you I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Be my Savior and be my Lord. As best I can, Jesus, I give you control over my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me your strength. It's in your name I pray. Amen. And if you prayed that, God just forgave you of your sin. He came into your life, and He will, and He, the Bible says the old is gone, the new has come. Now, the part that we see 
where Paul says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world anymore, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We've got to start walking by faith and growing. We've got to get in the Word. We've got to and, and allow God to transform us with the Word of God. And so, Lord, I just pray for those. God, I pray for those who might have prayed to receive you. Lord, I pray for those who want more of you in their life, who, who want to be transformed by your Word, who want to be stronger in the Word, who want to be able to reflect your love, uh, if that's you tonight, you want to be you want to be stronger in your relationship with the Lord. You want more of God. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Lord, you see these hands. And so, God, I pray for them. God, I pray for each person in this room. They want to give you more of themselves. Lord, help us to do that, God. Help us to do that. And, Lord, we pray for your strength. Lord, I pray your strength in each person that has their hands up. God, I pray that you'd put your love in each person. Let them feel your presence, God. Let them feel your presence, Lord. So, Lord, we just we just declare, Lord, your salvation, your sanctification, God, deliverance from strongholds, God. Lord, we pray over those in this room that are struggling with substance abuse or life-controlling issues, God, that you would set them free you had set them free. So God, we love you tonight. Lord, I pray for those who might have prayed to receive you, God, that you will strengthen them in ways they never imagined. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you prayed to receive Christ, we do have some little booklets up front. They're called, Now What? It's like, okay, I, I got saved. What, now what? Well, that book will tell you, Now What? And uh, you can see Pastor Kathy or myself after, and we'll get you one. Uh, they're totally free, you know. And, and, and so we want to see you know God, right? Know God. That's not just praying a prayer. That's knowing God. That's growing. And so that's the first step. That's the first step. All right, well, let's stand up and let's worship together. Close out with a song. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place 